0: An aviation ordnanceman is one of the more colorful ratings in naval aviation. So we talked to two outstanding representatives of the ORTI fraternity today, and they're going to share some stories that are entertaining as well as informative. Now, these guys have loaded the bombs and the missiles, weighing hundreds of pounds, up to a full ton. And these weapons are the ones that give the Tomcat its claws. And they did it in the heat and the danger of the flight deck.
1: That's right, these two were part of the action for much of the Tomcat service, and they've got some great stories about weapons, operations, and life on the flight line. Here we go!
0: On the flight deck, crews are now manning for the next launch. It's time to clear the flight deck and catwalks, stand well clear of all jet blasts, prop arcs, and exhaust. It's time to start up the GO aircraft. Let's start them up!
1: Okay, hi, welcome back to the F-14 TomCast. I'm Dave Baranek, callsign bio, former F-14 Rio and former Top Gun instructor, and I'm one of your co-hosts today. Today, we'll be talking to a couple of guys who put the firepower in the mighty Tomcat.
0: All right, and I'm Craig Snyder, callsign crunch. I was an F-14 pilot, Top Gun instructor, and and, flew it, I don't know, until the bitter end back in 2006. Today, we're joined by two good friends of mine. Retired Warrant Officer Randy Zeitler and Active Duty Commander Steve Folsom. The three of us have served together in squadrons in the past, air wings in the past. We've done missions together, and both these guys have slung a lot of, lot of ordnance around the flight deck, and we brought them here to talk about everything related to aviation ordnance and the F-14 Tomcat. Welcome, gentlemen.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. I'm a
2: retired Chief Warrant Officer Randy Zeitler, a.k.a. Z-Man, a.k.a. Gunner uh before i continue i do want to do a toast to uh crunch and bio i got my tomcat beer right here and it's all about keeping the tomcat alive so uh crack this bad boy open crunch and bio we love you guys for what you're doing appreciate it thank you tink i love it thank Thank you thank you outstanding um i'm gonna go ahead and pass it on over to uh commander folsom
3: yeah so uh steve folsom started with uh uh, in the Navy in 1987, did five consecutive tours in Tomcats, E4 to 03. Uh, did a lot of air-to-ground incorporation in the early years. We'll discuss that a little bit later. I hail from Jacksonville, Florida, just like Bio, although he's uh, more astute than I am. And I look forward to having a
0: conversation about the mighty Tomcat. How's oh, Astute. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome, gents. Hey, it's so good to have you guys. So just so everybody knows, you know, we can go back. Uh, I think we all first met each other back in VF-32, the Gypsies. Uh, we all four of us were in Hangar 200 on the flight line of Oceana back then. Uh, this was going in the way back machine to I believe it was 1995 or 96, somewhere around there. Uh, yes, and uh, uh, let's see, Steve, I think you were in AO-2. Oh, in AO1, GN. made were you? Yeah, okay. I thought you were a two. You were one. All right. You were first class. And, and Z Man, I think you were a chief, were you not?
2: Uh, yes, sir. A01 that made chief. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, okay.
0: All right. Well, you know, it all runs together and all that. No,
2: no I, hey, hey, outstanding. Yes, sir.
0: I, I was just a brand new guy. I was a young lieutenant junior grade who was just making lieutenant, brand new to the airplane. And it was a lot of fun re- talking with you guys because, uh, you know, you're so exciting. And it was just so much fun. And we done we had a whole bunch of bunch of different stories. So let's just go back. And I would love it if you guys could take us back. So there was a lot of experiences that, you know, people just don't get to hear about. And a lot of times people in these shows, they talk about the pilots and the flying. And you guys have a different perspective. You've been working the flight deck, working in the heat and the sound and the noise and the sweat, and just really doing some work out there. And I would love for you guys to tell some stories about it. Let's just start off with how did you guys get How'd you find yourself getting into the Navy and how'd you find yourself in the Tomcat? Uh, Z-Man, why don't you get started?
2: Outstanding. Actually, uh joined in uh, 1982. I uh, actually flipped the coin between the Marine Corps and the uh, Navy. With uh, I joined the buddy system with Mark Garcia. Ended up uh, Navy. So when we got in there, uh talked to the recruiter and he's like, uh, what are you guys doing? I was like, well, you know, we, we're, we're not real smart. But we can like lift a lot of heavy stuff. So he showed us a picture of these guys humping 82s on a uh, – actually it was an a6 at the time and i was like how much does that weigh and he goes 500 pounds and i was like we're in so that started that started my whole uh aviation ordnance career but i started below decks and the mags and uh all the the steve Folsoms were out running on top of the flight deck so i was like you know what i want to get out of these mags get up on a flight deck so uh from there i actually went to vf102 uh the diamondbacks uh and uh, it, it was amazing. I mean, I I fell in love with the Tomcats. Uh, from there, uh, I, I, mean, I could talk about all the Ori's, Jeff Fobichal, the Al Shuts, the Scott Orndorff, the Matt East, the Pat Anderson's, great bunch of Ori's, all kinds of AOs out there. But uh, from there, though, what was crazy was that was uh, – and my wife always says civilians will never understand because I always say that all the time because at that time – we were crossing the uh, Mediterranean. I know bio remembers this, that Gaddafi put the line of death out there. Oh yeah. I remember so that. well, this is huge because the Tomcats, we go out there and we're loaded two, two, and two, or actually it was zero, two, and two, two whiners, two sparrows and full guns. So we're crossing, we're out there crossing the line of death, uh, loaded Tomcats, zero, two, and two, two whiners, two sparrows, full gun. And, uh, Aos back then, uh, you can't do it now because of policies and procedures. But we're helping the A six and the uh, helping them guys pump bombs. So they're, we're loading bombs, loading bombs. They're dropping bombs. Tomcat's was flying around out there, and it was it was kind of sad. I mean, because Commander Fisher, uh, Commander Lyle, CO XO of 102, we had to surface the air missiles launched at us. So boom, we get we get launched upon, and boom, we're dropping bombs with the A sixes, of course. So that's when Grumman was like, "We got to do something. We got to turn this Tomcat into a Bombcat." So then, that's when I rolled into Patuxent uh, River, Maryland, which is unique with Steve and I because this is a huge relationship. Because uh, once again, the Steve Taylors, the Mark Sanicles, the uh, all kinds of guys. Uh, I'm, I'm throwing some names out there because of this podcast. But uh, <laughs> George Durr, we took the Tomcat. Pulled out, and because I know Bio's real concerned about the uh, the Phoenix, but we removed that Lau 93. And Steve's going to correct me because th- my memory's not, I'm a lot older than he is. But we pulled out, I want to say Lau 93, put in some, I think it was ADU 703s with yeah. Brew 32s. Yeah. And this was all in the belly so we could drop bombs. So Patuxent River, Maryland, PAX, uh, Strike, it was called Strike at the time. Uh, we turned the Tomcat into a Bomb Cat. And from there, you know, I we drop we're dropping bombs, and we actually painted the bombs gold. It was the first bombs dropped off any Tomcat, and then I kicked that bird in the ass and sent it to Steve out in the in the the fleet. And uh, from well, from there, that's when I jumped in and meet Crunch. Uh, we could talk about his call sign, Crunch. I I, I wasn't real. I don't know if it was Captain Crunch. I wasn't real sure about that, but uh, so we met we met Crunch out there. And I'm with Steve at this time now, so we we teamed up together with the uh, uh, VF-32, the Mighty Swordsman. Huge matter of fact, that Tomcat behind me's got all the gypsies on there that signed it. A bunch of aviators or uh, maintainers, uh, feet. I, hope I could talk about Frank Davis, Gary Davenport, All them guys are on there. But anyway, during that time frame, no, that's that's when we incorporated all the air to ground, dropping a lot of bombs because. We rolled into Operation Desert Fox with you, Crunch. Correct,
0: right? Uh, December of nineteen ninety-eight. That's right.
2: Correct, correct. So we're taking out all the Iraqi hangars and um, their weapon storage areas in Iraq with the air-to-ground Tomcats with the TBU's, the, the guide bombs, yeah. Yeah. which was which was huge. I want to say that was that was four days. So that was with VF-32. That's right. Right. And then, right. thirty yeah, you know, from 32, I rolled into VF-211. And in uh, that time, that's when I was uh, a gunner. So with uh, Randy Deadman as my chief, who was freaking awesome. But, you know, at, at VF-211, um,
0: cut. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. Just keep going. It's all good.
2: Well, well VF-32, I'm trying to remember when we pulled Saddam
3: out of the hole. That was... That was later on when you were in two eleven because I was that was, right. that was I, I was in thirty one. That's right. I, I was still that's, right. that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I had all this in my head correct before I jumped in here. But yeah, VF30, VF211, VF two eleven. You have the checkmates. Actually, I have their shirt on. This was like this t shirt's like 20 years old. Um, but yeah, I was the gunner at that time, enjoyed every minute of it. Um but as far as back to the Tomcats, turn them into Bombcats, it was it was uh it was huge. Um, there's something we had to do, Grumman had to do it, we had to make it happen. So, and then you, when did you retire? I retired in 2005. 2005,
0: really have 211
2: then, yes, sir. And matter of fact, I was the last because you had the Alphas, the Bravos, and the, the Delta Tomcats. So, uh, yeah, I, I was the last F 14A Alpha gunner in the Navy, and then Jason Conyer, who <laughs> holds the last gunner in the Navy, this pisses Steve yeah. off.
0: He was, he was at 31. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, because, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess I guess, because uh, he he took over the job because he was doing it better than the previous guys. Is, is that what happened? I'm not. You're talking 31 at the time? <laughs> no, <course> That's <laughs> different. I mean, I'm making a joke on Steve. The listeners don't even understand the joke. Let's keep going. Steve, just tell, just tell go us ahead. about you. Where'd you come from?
3: Uh, so, started in Miramar in 1989, uh, vf 21 uh, right across from uh, Bio, I think you were in Hangar One. Well, you were probably in uh, Oceana by then, right, Bio? No,
1: 1989. Luckily, I, I was still back at uh, Miramar VF Two, Hangar One.
3: Hangar One V Two. You. Okay, you're a bullet. Yeah, I was right across the way in the Ramp uh, Hangar Two, uh, 21 and 154. Uh, started out with a, you know, basically it was the old Block 70 aircraft. Bio, I'm sure you remember those before Crunch's time. Oh yeah, uh, we had chaff, we had chap buckets on both sides of the tail hook back then. It was a different configuration, uh, old Capcom wiring. Uh, we did drive-in mods to get them back, back ready to go because the wiring was so brittle. Uh, so we actually did sittle and drive-in mods right in Hangar Two, uh, right when I reported the squadron. Fast forward to '90, uh, did Desert Shield uh, with 21 on Independence, uh, flying three, two, and two CAP missions. Or, uh, the squadron was flying CAP missions, fully loaded for Bear. But uh, I kind of digress because as we crossed uh, the Pacific and we we got right past Hawaii. Uh, that's when the bear box kind of kind of got activated and uh we were launching alert 15s every freaking day i mean every day and every night they were coming out of cameron bay where wherever they were stationed out of and we would launch a three two and two aircraft at them chase them around and then they'd recover shut it down that would roll into an alert 30 somebody else would move up to alert 15 alert 5 and, and away we went um it was just a different world back then it was the end of the cold war uh, the F-14 was unmatched in the sky. Uh, I, I think the Phoenix scared the crap out of the, out of the Russians back then. And I, I think to this day, they still talk about it. Uh, then fast forward to Desert Shield. Like I said, uh, or correction, uh, we uh, continued the CAP missions. We did uh, 112 days without seeing a port. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we pulled back out and we were relieved by midway. Uh, went back home. I left uh, 21. Uh, no, correction, we went over to Japan. I took CAG. We uh, in-chopped to CAG-5 in Japan. Uh, took Tomcats for the first time to add Sugi, where uh we recovered 14 of our aircraft. Four of them uh went off the runway because their anti skid wasn't working. Uh not a Ouch. great day for uh, for the Japanese photographers out there taking the photos. I was on the beach debt to catch them and uh you know, watched them slide right off the uh ramp right into the uh grass at the end of the uh, runway there. Not not nice. Uh then fast forward uh from there, uh started doing air to ground incorporation with a rag. I was an AO one by then and uh was the LPO of the uh, leading petty officer of the uh, FRS at, uh, at, back at Oceana. I got orders to Oceana, and uh, they said, hey, uh, I need somebody to go write the loading manual for the F-14. So we started uh, working. Uh, we went to, flew back over to Miramar and did air-to-ground incorporation uh, with the uh, F-14. So I helped write the loading manual putting cluster uh, bombs and Mark 80 series bombs on the uh, Tomcat in the early days.
1: That's big. That sounded rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, before we get any, uh, before we get too far, well, when you guys talk about configuration, and, and in my recollection, we always had to specify when you say like three, two, and two. Yeah. Uh, we always there was like a couple of ways that air crews did it, and sometimes it was Fox one, Fox two, Fox three, and other times it was Phoenix, Sparrow, Sidewinder. So is is there an ordi standard? Same as you. Fox one. Two, I have said it. Phoenix, Sparrow, Sidewinder is how we did it uh, in the beginning. So yeah, So you're talking. So you didn't. You can't do a three, two, and two. No. You can't.
3: Well, no. Well, Sparrow, Sparrow was Fox One. Sparrow was Fox. So it was three, two, and two. A Sparrow on Station Four in the tunnel. True. Wings right, and two Feeney bombs on Station Three and Six on on the weapon trails. Okay, mean, so we'll
1: they... so we'll talk Fox One, Fox Two, Fox Three.
0: Yeah. So it's the same. <laughs> well, there's sometimes uh, bios bios right there, there were times when the standard would be to swap and put the fox three first followed by fox one fox two and it would get very confusing yeah it was I, it actually yeah, was yeah it was confusing to me because i knew fox one was a sparrow fox two was a heater and fox three was a feeny bomb
1: there right. you go <laughs>
0: sure okay. but, yeah, i mean there, if you just did a real quick notation it, yeah
1: there were times when it was confusing. And okay, through, the, the rest of this talk, we'll, uh, we'll specify it uh, if it's different from Fox 1, 2, and 3. But that, for listeners, some of them may wonder about that. But let me, yeah. let me get uh, move into the interview now. I mean, in, in crunching our my experience, you know, we'd uh, sit in the air-conditioned ready room. We'd, you know, do our briefings. We'd go down to CVIC. Always – it was so cold in there, you had to wear your flight jacket sometimes. And then, you oh. know – I mean, I was a West Coast guy. I'd run out on the flight deck and, and, you know, I'd be in the uh, sweating heat for like 10 minutes and then I go, okay, I got to get in the cockpit and start up and get the AC going. Uh, And, you know, the noise of the flight. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm overdoing it. But talk about what it was like working on the flight deck in the heat, in the noise. And maybe, I mean, you guys were uh, East Coast. You went to North Atlantic. Sometimes it was cold. Tell us about working the flight deck.
3: I'll take that. You know, so it was different when you're off the coast of Southern California. uh, Nice, you know, 68 degree weather. uh, And then you chop in the I.O. You knew you were in the I.O. you were wearing the weather, so to speak. Uh, Then you couple that with the jet blast, the long days, the long hours. I mean, and then uh, we actually had a urinal behind the independence uh, in the bomb farm behind the island.
1: Oh, you're kidding.
3: uh, Hardly got used because you sweat the sweat. You just never had to take a piss because you were sweating constantly. Uh, never stopped and uh we just we just uh you know sometimes 18 hour days during desert shield i remember uh you know waking up and going to work it was dark and uh, getting off the flight deck it was dark it was uh you know case 3 recoveries by the time i was leaving the deck so um no, yeah it was you, very you,
2: hard. but you knew the guys steve the pilots out there some would come up and kick that you know, man landing gear and then walk right up get up in the cockpit. Uh, Crunch, he did He did walk around and would ask about lanyards and this and that on the GBU's. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I, all I want to do is go eat a hard-boiled egg because I was on a deck for freaking, what, you know, eight, ten hours. Yeah, seriously. And plus, a lot of things that the, the pilots, until they started finding out, they would do the betting on which would, you know, resting their gear they're going to land on. So that was like flight deck gambling that actually happened. And uh, like Steve said, I started out on the America. Well, I actually started on the Kennedy ships company, but on the America, they had those pistols all around the flight deck and I used it cause I drank, I didn't care if it was hundred degrees outside, I'm drinking coffee, just to stay pumped up. But I know on the uh, uh, like desert Fox, we stayed up for like 96 hours yeah. And, uh, and I got to watch what I say, I guess, but I mean, I know air crew myself and my chief were allotted, uh, some kind of like drug to keep you pumped up. But back then I was like, I don't need any drugs. I'm just going to drink coffee and took that ephedrine and all that stuff. Cause all my young guys were pumping up on weights and all we were using that ephedrine just to stay awake and stay pumped. So we, we did, we stayed awake for the whole time eating box lunches and, uh, it, it, it is. It's a, it's a different world. I mean, you, you like Steve said, though, or, or Commander Folsom, Gun Boss Gunner Steve Folsom said, we you, you get so freaking hot when when you guys turn on us, we're like we're thinking sometimes they're cranking it up a little bit just to, to try to blow us off the flight deck or something. <laughs> oh, that heat, that heat would dry the sweat, and then you're like, you know, you don't have you don't have to take a leak anymore. So it was like it, it was crazy. It was so freaking hot
1: but uh that's yeah, part of the system that's a well-designed system you know
3: yeah <laughs> oh my god oh it, yeah not like it, a turkey and blower on cat one as you stand behind the jvd dry that yeah. sweat off real quick yeah
2: but if we're gonna if we're gonna go old school navy and talk about the 80s on the flight deck night night shift and 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 you're working and you got to get all these birds reconfigured crunch you know when you hit that you, – you got Tomcats bouncing on that freaking carrier all the time. They're going to get broke. And those guys are fixing them all the time. So you got to take a piss. You're pissing in that pad eye. And then the next morning you got Aaron Folsom reaching in that pad eye trying to find – you know, he wants to find the golden Fod. And, yeah, he's got the golden Fod, but he's got liquid gold all over his fingers. And that shit happened. I'm telling you. Been there, done that. Chewing tobacco? <laughs> the back a spit oh my god and and that's what I'm saying you guys come with your
1: nice clean <laughs> light suits on hair like, hair brush yeah. sunglasses yeah, uh, yes, sir. yeah. hey
2: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll into this and you're a guy that's here hold,
1: hold my soda for me I gotta uh... <laughs>
2: right well here's here's a quick one for whoever's you know doing the cuts on this video I talk like I said civilians don't have a clue. I talked about this podcast. I said, I'm honored. I'm freaking honored to be on it. And they said, Well, what are you doing? I said, I'm Doing a podcast for Tomcats. What's a Tomcat? And that's what civilians are saying. What's a Tomcat? And I'm like, Everyone, you have exactly. And you have to revert back to Top Gun. And they're like, Oh, yeah, freaking Tom Cruise. And, and, I, and I don't want to bash Tom Cruise, but he's a little tiny man. I'm not real happy about him. And I told the story about Crunch. I said, I said, Craig Snyder blue freaking you know uh tom cruise away so they're like show me pictures well the only pictures i had was him doing his realty cells and they go well he's old i said well hold on <laughs> no i didn't i said hold on let me find one back when he was in the navy so i went <laughs> back to when he was in the navy and they're like oh my god he was but and not only men or not only women said it men were saying that he's hot and those were in his flight jacket from back in vf 32 that's a true story
3: Oh that cracks me up.
2: That's a true story. I don't
0: even know what to say right now. <laughs>
1: okay, I can tell you I'm going to I'm going to send Scott 20 bucks to keep that in.
0: Oh oh yeah, that's staying in. That's good stuff. I, I my wife is going to see all that. That's going to be great. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. So so I think every the listeners can understand why when we said we should have some aviation ordnance experience on the show. And I told Bio, I said, <laughs> I know just the pair of guys. And I think now we're getting a feel for it. So, uh, dude, I, I tell you what, you guys, absolutely everything about it, you can just feel the energy. You feel the positive. If, I mean, it's just, holy cow, the excitement that you feel for your job. And, you know, that, that wasn't unique to you guys, right? So when you go out there and you got a load team, you're loading up a loading up an aircraft, or you got, uh, you know, how many you're loading up a strike? I mean, you got how many guys were working up the flight deck, guys and gals, 15, 20, or well, I mean, the squadron. So but, you about
3: ten per shift, right? Ten days, right? nights on a good day. I mean, sometimes ten yeah, really per shift.
0: I mean, it was not good. Uh, talk, yeah. talk, about, talk about the team. Talk about the 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 work ethic and the attitude of the young sailors who might be 19, 20 years old uh, working the flight deck like that.
3: So uh, that's what kept me in after all these years. I'm sorry, but it has. I mean, after you know, 35 years in January, I have 35 years of playing Navy, and what's kept me in is those sailors and the ordies in particular for me, for us. Uh, just their work ethic. I mean, these. You know, from all over the world, I mean, you know, it's the same old song and dance. You hear it, but, but bringing that dichotomy of people together and watching them form that team. I mean, we are proud. You hear the IOS chant. You hear the, you know, the, the red shirts, you know, really motivated. That's in the back of my chair right here. Um, we're just, we're very unique in the way we do business because it takes a team to make it happen, right? So we talked about the dynamic of a low team, right? You got a quality assurance, safety observer. You got the team leader. So the QASO, the Quality Assurance Safety Observer, he's standing back and he's watching the whole evolution, or he or she. You got the team leader leading the evolution. You got the four team members usually on a Mark 80 series bomb. You got four people lifting our sparrow. You have four people manually lifting that weapon to the jet, and the team leader is kind of giving the cadence and calling out the checklist, just like you guys with the NATOPS. We have our checklist that's written in blood as well, and we're following that step by step. Then the QASO will come and verify the load is correct as per the loading manual. And then we'll certify it safe for flight, and we go down and we sign that a sheet at the ADB. You guys sign for the jet, you take it flying, and it's lethal and it's ready to rock.
1: You know, okay, I'm, 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 I'm good. Wait, wait, Gunnar, that that was an excellent little segment because we're going to sit here, we're going to we're going to laugh, we're going to tell stories and stuff like that because because we're on a podcast. But when you guys were on the flight deck with your team, with live ordnance, turning jets and props, it was professional. It was commitment it was you know it was checklist it was uh, ability so i'm glad that was a, that was a good little segment now gunner i'll throw it back gunner z i'll throw it back to you to, uh, to add some more color well, i well i what i'm going to do is i'm going to keep it how it used to be old time
2: steve is straight on with the checklist which it has to had to be he he said it it was written in blood well i was one of the guys back in the day where some of the blood Dripped, and it was because of you had the checklist, but then you had the old school Navy guys. Because remember, I came in right before they were doing drug tests, so you don't know who was working on them Tomcats. Uh, most ordies were oh, just big,
3: 81. Were
2: big, strong guys, and the motto back then was "You do what you had to do to get the job done." Uh, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong. To load a Phoenix on the belly by the checklist, I think is four, maybe five people, you got, there you go, yeah, and back then, I would, myself, and, and I guess, I don't, hope I don't lose my retirement, but we would, we would race, loading Phoenix, one guy would drag a Phoenix under the Tomcat, the other guy would drag a Phoenix under the Tomcat, we'd, we'd race getting it up there, and it, am I proud to say that? No, but it was to get the job done, because back then, we, we, we I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I know we were flying more sorties than they are now. I just, I just, I know it for a fact. I mean, it was like we were just launching Tomcats off the flight deck. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Training got huge. Uh, Everything had to be, you know, and and I think that's why I made chief made Gunner. You you had to follow checklist procedures. Uh, Everything had to be done by the book, but back in the day, Oh my God! It was it was it was some uh, some crazy stuff when you talk about working on the flight deck just just to get the job done, just get the time to catapult or you know off the pointy end. But, uh, it, but you, you, I got to go back to what Crunch was saying. What was it like on on the carriers and the flight decks back then? Now you got to remember, uh, early '80s there weren't any women on them ships. So you you work in eighteen hours, you jump in that shower, it, you know you're running down the passageway naked just to get you know you just take a shower run to your rack throw it, wipe down real quick jump in your rack get up four hours later and do it again now i everyone's wearing robes and everything but uh i'm, I'm gonna do a quick shout out to the female ordinance ordinance yeah i'm not woke at all gentlemen i'm gonna tell you right now i guess it was the female ordies out there because I went on a cruise with the Orties and I'm thinking there's no way you got a female that's going to be humping 500,000 pound bombs. And there were some dowdies. There was some, there was a bunch of women out there to change my mind because they were doing it, but they, 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 made it happen. But there were times when they're humping 500 pound bombs and they would grab me by my Jersey. Cause I couldn't hear nothing. Cause the Tomcats are turning everything's burning. And that they had to run off the flight deck because Mother Nature was calling, and they were they they were having issues. And I was like, "What?" And I, just, the shit that didn't happen with the men. So there were there were times when it made it tough working with the girls and the ladies out there. But uh, bottom line, they did get it done. And I know uh, there's a lot of female chiefs, a lot of female gunners out there, and my hats off
1: to them. So hey, you know what? I'll, I'll just pile onto that just a little bit because uh, I was out of Tomcats. When I, I did ten years in uh, in fighter squadrons, F-14 squadrons and Top Gun, and then I had a break of six years, which was not the plan, but that's the way it worked out. And when I came back, there were women in squadrons. I didn't know what to expect. And I agree with you; they were out there in the shops, in on the flight deck, everything, you know, standing toe to toe with their men, shoulder to shoulder with the uh, with the men in the squadron. So. It was really it was it was a non-issue in in my experience.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: That, that's yeah. what I'm saying because we
2: went from zero to a certain high percentage, and and and, it, it, and the, a female man, I freaking take my hats off. I'm, I salute him right now. It's amazing, amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Roger that. All right. Well, hey. Let, speaking of back in that time frame, uh, were either of you guys involved in Desert Storm back in '91?
3: Yeah, it just I did Desert Shield. We we were relieved by Midway and I was, you know, we get back to Miramar, and then next thing you know in January they're going
0: downtown Baghdad and I was like, "Damn, we just missed it." Good just missed it. Just yeah. missed it. Now, um all right. Well, hey, but that said, uh I know that let's see, Steven, you were you were in 32 with me when we did Desert Fox though, right? No, I I actually made Chief Petty
3: Officer in 32 and then 102 one hundred and two was like, hey, we need an AOC, and uh, thirty-two, you got three of us. There was three AOCs in one <laughs> yeah. squad. Yeah, I, I stayed
2: with uh, uh, Desert Fox with you, Crunch. Yeah,
3: yeah oh, so okay. there. I went to one hundred and two and did OSW with one hundred and two. Uh, yep,
0: gotcha, gotcha. So, th- so let's talk about that for a second. So, we had so Desert Fox it was uh, four days: so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like finished like half halfway through on Saturday, if I remember. We were on the Enterprise. Um,
1: so, what year was, it? was that?
0: Nineteen ninety eight or ninety eight, okay. December of ninety eight, right around Christmas. And like we were doing days one, two, and I think three alone, and then came I believe it was the Lincoln, maybe, I'm not sure. And they came in with uh whoever VF two thirteen was at the time, and then they come CAG eleven, I guess it was, and they come raging in to join us for like a day and a half, and then then all peace broke out. But uh, I know we had uh, we were dropping GBU twenty-fours then um we had lantern on board uh so we're doing laser drops we did not have jdam gps drop uh, guided bombs just lantern for laser guided bombs and i don't recall dropping any dumb bombs on that uh that on that exercise it was all laser guided so yeah
2: yeah. gbus yep
0: yeah. So now when you guys were uh, were loading that, I mean, let's think about that. That's before 9-11. This is before, you know, the last, you know, we had the conflicts of the time. We had Desert Storm back in 91. We had some Bosnia-Kosovo stuff going on. And then the next thing we have is, you know, Iraq kind of kicks off in 98 with the, you know, the live fire test range of Desert Fox. And we go out there and we just start dropping stuff. And I remember at the time thinking, hey, this is... This is my one chance of my career to go to combat, thinking, you know, little did I know what was just three years down the road. But, uh, you know, at the time, I remember thinking that this was so out of the ordinary that we were actually spending all that time. And I don't know if you guys remember that first launch. Do you remember where you guys working the flight deck? All right, Z-Man, were you working the flight deck at that first launch?
2: I was up every night. Yes, sir. Yeah.
0: Because I remember, I was on that. I was on Cat One. Me and Mouth, Jim McCall, sitting there in the in the jet, getting ready to launch off Cat One on that first strike. We were the first jet to go. There
2: uh, you go. I I did. I,
0: yeah, yeah. We were the first jet to launch on the strike. Uh, we were in the second division going downrange. But uh, uh, that was that was a pretty cool time, and I remember being super pumped to. Uh, get out there and do stuff, and just the energy on the flight deck, and everybody was out there working, and you guys were out there loading bombs. And I think I don't know that you had to download very much when we came back from our missions, did you?
2: No, that that's exactly what pumped everybody up. I mean, we were on the deck waiting to make sure they were slick. Plus, we had a freaking skid in hand with you know fully loaded bombs ready to reload. But when they came back slick, that that was uh, that's what pumped everybody up. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, keep talking, Crunch, but, I mean, real quick, though, because, like, us on the ground, at, thinking about the pilots, because you, you guys were flying, and to get to your destination and back and to fly around and land, that was that was a period of time, correct?
0: What did, uh, uh, yeah, well, it wasn't as long as you think, because we were only, on Desert Fox, we were really only going about as far as Basra, which is southern Iraq. We weren't going all the way downtown to Baghdad or anything. We were only doing the southern portion off of the ship there, so... I don't even remember the tanking plan of how much gas we took, but it it, it was actually a shorter mission than.
1: Oh yeah, you than, didn't do uh, bother in a single cycle.
0: There's yeah, a- well that's why I'm thinking. I'm not sure that we even took gas, but uh, I think we did. Okay. But I don't remember okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah, somebody no, somebody, will, somebody will comment in this or or call in and be like, "Dude, how can you not remember? Don't you remember you took the probe off or something?" <laughs> Oh, oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. and say, there'll be people coming in and saying Z man I can even mention my name and I'm like, oh my God because there's so uh, many there's so many red shirts out there that I love and I'm telling you and and Steve hadn't even said it yet the whole he said Iowa Yo is, but the whole thing was the whole about ordinance and I know Bio knows because crunch used to say it because every time we went at the bar if you ain't ordinance you ain't shit and and they can't cut that out because shit's not
1: that's a politically no we're cleared a, for that we're cleared for yeah, we're cleared. Yeah. that's permitted.
0: So yeah. You get, yeah, just so people don't know, I mean that's kind of the culture of the time. You know, you guys be running around with like that stenciled on your shirts and the coffee cups and the T-shirts and right. I mean, everywhere. I was, I, and it was always the pride of it was always I marvelled at that. Know, or, the Ordies
1: that, that I know are still IOS, So there you go. I know that.
2: Well, you, you got to think about it. the whole the whole entire navy. Only two associations: ordnance and then the bosun's mate. So. Only two associations, right, right. right, Steve? Right. Am I
3: right, Steve? Yeah, two ABS and AOs are the only two association together collectively make make about a half an ASAB score. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's self-deprecation for all our listeners. Okay, all right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> when you self-deprecate, but uh, yeah. but the only two, and then you have the tailhook association for the aviators. So that's the yeah. three major organizations in the Navy that have associations. For there you go. Control.
1: That's good. That's good.
3: So, yeah, and yeah, let me ask
1: you. Be- it- I want to I yeah. want to move to a uh, uh, an equipment question. Sure. What was your least? What was your the least favorite ordinance? What's what did you? Was there anything that you hated to handle, hated to load, or whatever?
3: Well, the most the air to ground wise, Randy, if I, could touch I mean, of, can touch on, I mean, for any I, of them. Yeah. So so for I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you air to ground. I'm going to give you the air to air piece. Okay. For me, GBU-24 was an absolute ass pain to load. I mean, just the. The, the, the lanyards and getting everything correct uh, was a, was a pain. Z man, you you agree with GBU twenty four for air to ground munitions?
2: I actually, I didn't have any problems with any ordinance. Actually, loved every piece of ordinance.
3: Okay, but but comparatively, the hardest to load, the most pain in the butt to load for me was GBU twenty four. Uh, just to get it all right, JDAM was easy when that came later. I mean, that's that's plug and play. Okay,
2: uh, are, you about, are you yeah. talking about the lanyard? Yeah.
3: Exactly right. I mean, just because if you didn't do that right, when you when the when the pilot would release the weapon, uh, the the pull, the lanyard had too much slack in it. You would actually the thermal battery would never ignite. You would you would actually the the bomb would fall down. Right. So just the I guess being puckered up and making sure we did that right.
1: Okay,
2: that's good. I'm going to agree with Steve. But on, on the same note, because he's right, because like Steve we got to go back to CDIs, the Collateral Duty Inspectors, and the QASOs. Yeah. Steve and I were – I don't know, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Commander Folsom. No, seriously. Back in the day, there weren't many QASOs as airmen or third class.
3: No. And
2: I i i made it as a third class. Did you make it as an airman?
3: Yeah, but that, that's, that was in helicopters, so we don't count that.
2: Okay, okay, but – but what he's, what he's saying is when, when the CDI or the QASO came out, sometimes they'd have to reroute the lanyards because you're right. I told I totally forgot about that. Yeah, but now, now I'm going back in my head about the – let's go back old school with the M904s. Okay, the guys-
1: okay hold that thought. So GBU-24, just for the listeners, is a 2,000-pound laser-guided bomb. So just yeah, to clear sir. that up. So now it's you're talking a- about M904s. Yes, sir.
3: Exactly. Well- so- Back to GBU-24, if I can, Paveway 3 2,000-pound class weapon, ah,
1: right? Okay.
3: So, so yeah, we're not a Paveway 1 or 2, right? So Paveway 3, it's a hard-target penetrator depending on the different model of the GBU-24. I think you guys were doing Bravo Bravos, right? Right. So now we fast forward. We went on all the way to Echo Bravos, which are smart fuse hard-target penetrators, Right.
0: So the, with the, also with the GPS uh, thing in there. Oh, yeah. sorry, I was—I got ahead of you. Go, keep going.
3: No, you're all good. Right? You're good. Crunch. You're
0: absolutely. I, I'm
3: glad you retain all that stuff. That's awesome. Yep. American Airlines probably loves that. <laughs>
0: well, I, <laughs> well, after this, we're going to talk about the Mark 904 fusing.
2: <laughs> that, that's what I was talking about because Steve, you're talking about the most uh, uh, whatever tedious
1: items, yeah, yeah. Painful, and if the yeah.
2: got. Yeah, if the guy pulled that freaking pin out of that 904 before putting it in the nose of the bomb, and that and it spun a
3: couple times? Yes. Help me out, Steve, because yeah. remember back in them days? You drive the firing train to the arm position. Right. And if you didn't catch that, and the aircrew didn't catch it, and you launched the jet, theoretically, if any FOD impacted that 904 as you took the cat stroke, it was going to be a bad day for you two gentlemen. So that Correct. was up about so that. that-
2: now, that, that's old school there. That, that used to scare the shit out of me because I'm yeah, like – Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. No, it is bad. <laughs>
0: it's real it, it, bad. It, it just, just for the listeners, so the M904 fuse was uh, – it was a fuse that was placed in the nose of a dumb bomb. And Mechanical, what would happen is the fuse? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mechanical nose fuse? Yeah, exactly. So it, as it would fall off, it had like little fins. And as it would fly through the air, those fins would spin and it would – some i'm not sure if the i don't recall the exact mechanics inside but something moved which allowed the weapon to arm so that when it impacted it blew up so, to so the, correct me where i'm the, wrong in that discussion the m904 would actually
3: be released from the aircraft the vane would spin allowing the firing train to arm fully right so you had a booster in the back of the fuse that would actually screw in with the with the fuse into the bomb body so the firing training would align the M9 delay element, depending on how we wanted to configure that bomb for penetration, non-penetration, 0.001 milliseconds all through, right? right. Uh, we would get that in there, and so that would align the firing train with align, And then when you, when the bomb sense sudden impact or sudden uh, deceleration, uh, then it would go high order on. That. Um, that's so right. That's how we program those.
0: And, and uh I'm I'm going in the way back machine here, but when I remember when we would plan these drops and weapon area and we would look at the fusing, on that fuse you could you could change the arming delay or arming time, and then there was a function delay. And just for the listeners, the arming time was hey, from click where I hit the button and it falls from the airplane, how many seconds until it arms, and it can now go high order. And the function delay being from the time it Senses that sudden deceleration until it impacts. Uh, so, tell us why would you ever have a delay from the time when it hits the target until it blows up? Why would you put a delay in there? Off-target penetration, right? So, if we want to get, want to get a little bit
3: of earth uh, yeah. uh, penetration, uh, we would give a. I, I forgot the delay time. I mean, there was a like- magazine.
2: Yeah, I can't remember if you're, if you're going through a magazine or any type of uh a weapons installation. You want to get through that building before it goes off, or
0: right. yeah yeah so and and i remember like you were talking about the gbu 24 uh which was a hard target penetrator paveway three guidance and 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 there's so many different terms that were thrown around here but in the end these all these they had they were explosives with a fusing and a guidance system right and we have all these different systems and you guys had to know them all and we had to be able to go out there and recognize what it was and and just go, okay, is this what I pre-flighted? And this wasn't what, what I wanted. And, and uh, you know, I remember talking to you guys. We'd be like, hey, we need uh, whatever it was, six seconds and a half a millisecond or whatever that is. And you guys would put it into the fuse for us, and off we go. Now,
3: I got a funny story about that I'll tell later during the opening night of OIF when, uh, when I was in 31 as the gunner. And I got two T-Bone and, uh, and uh, Spicoli uh, walking around the jet trying to pre-flight as we're launching the strikes into Baghdad because they were Dash 4 and they were late launching. That's a great story later. Uh, go yeah. ahead. Tell us the story. What happened? So, you know, uh, opening night. So we went from OSW. So we got a tip where we were going to do it. Um, we'd gotten JDM Incorporation D04 tape load uh, flown out to us. Uh, we loaded the, the jet up with all the software. And uh, so the opening night of the war in January was like, okay, we're going to go from OSW and we're going to have about a one plus 30 cycle before we start launching strikes into Baghdad. Literally that night. That's all the time we had to reconfigure the aircraft, test them, and get GBU-31 2,000-pound class uh, Victor II yeah. models, so not hard target penetrators, uh, loaded. So we loaded the jets with three GBU-31, one Phoenix on Station 1, two heaters on the, on the wing stations, and a lantern pod on Station 8, 500 rounds of uh, semi-armor-piercing high-explosive incendiary, Gen X chaff and flare in the tail of the jet for the ECM stuff. And then a uh, bowl IR and bull chaff and the launchers on the wings as well. Literally an hour plus 30 T bone and Tano come up and the Charlie Hornets and, and the, and the new brand new Rhino and VFA one they're launching down, they're taking cat three and four and they're walking around the jet. And I looked at Tano and T-bone. And I said, get the damn jet right now. It's going to be loaded, right? It's going to work. I know you don't have time to pre-flight get in there. We're going to close it up and you're going to be good to go. We launched a division down downtown Baghdad. The brand-new shiny penny, uh, Super Hornet, that was going to lead the strike. Uh, the tanker got fouled. They diverted, and 31 led the strikes in Baghdad for the opening night of the war.
1: Well, there you go. Speaking of, speaking of tankers, Crunch just got a, uh, a reload. So
0: I, I did. My wife just brought me a, a, a little, little refill there. So I'm
1: like,
2: I was going to call for my bartender, but I, I don't know where she's at. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Steve, that, that had to be cool. And it also had to be cool to go from uh, OSW, Operation Southern Watch, peacetime, basically. I mean, patrol. I, I flew some Southern Watch in my career but for again for the listeners it was you know enforcing the un no fly zones and then everybody knew you know uh, desert shield that we were building up but but nobody knew when desert storm was going to go and you didn't want to tip it off by oh the carrier shut down they haven't you know right. they normally fly tonight but they shut down so right. they're getting ready for something so, you had to keep it going up to, uh, and then just do a sudden changeover like that.
3: Up to the very end. And I actually knew it was going to happen. I couldn't tell my guys. So, about 24 in advance, we all got read into, we're going downtown tomorrow night. So, I kind of kept them pumped up. I got them cycled down for chow. They were like, Dunner's making sure we're eating tonight. This is a good day, you know? And then, you know, everything's kind of flowing. And I said, okay, guys, boom, here it is. And I gave them the load plan with the change that, uh, that had just come out. And they, got, they looked at me and he said, three GBU 31 Victor twos. And I'm like, a firm. Let's go. It's time.
1: Exciting, exciting got super
3: I couldn't, I couldn't put him to bed that night. I said, Hey, I need you back tomorrow to do this all over again. We want to stay up gunner. We want to keep loading these jets. We want to keep, I said, I need you to get your crew rest, right? I need you back in the fight tomorrow. We're leaving night check as we went through the night doing that. So uh, it, again, it's a testament to the sailors and what they'll do. They'll work their butt off for you. If they know there is a mission and, uh, and they're there to support it. So I'm very oh, yeah. proud that I've been associated with this crew.
0: Yeah. Cool, man. I'd like I'd like to bottle that 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 emotion and that excitement. I'd like to just put it in a bottle and just have it. <laughs> <I> enable <mean, laughs> <laughs> reactor with it. Right.
2: <laughs> then you want to, if you want to see that happen, just come to my house when Folsom's here and come back to my bar because that that happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. hey, <laughs> let, 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 I know you guys are asking a lot of ordinance questions. Hey, Folsom, let's ask uh, Crunch and Bio uh, with the air crew. So okay, you guys, good. did either of you guys ever shoot at uh, tow banners? Oh yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Well, they, Steve, folks, yeah. help me out here.
3: Did they stop doing that? Yeah. So the Tomcat, we we, we used to weave the banner, you know, in the right. shop there. It, you know, we had specific procedures for it. It's a lost art now, uh, with the, obviously with the Tomcat going away. But I remember, you know, I think I talked to Bio a little bit about this. In Miramar, we used to go down to the end of the runway where the, where the little RSLs were. We'd take 20 millimeter. we'd paint bullet tips because right. every year we had high noon competition at Miramar. And the squadron, one of the best kills, had some bragging rights. So we'd boresight the gun to the VDI and the HUD. You Remember the old boresight? Exactly. Right? That's, that's why I'm bringing this up. We'd put a tweak up in the, in the cockpit. He'd get on the VDI and the HUD, and I would get on the mandrel on the boresight kit, You know, uh, open the antenna up. And we would get that gun lined up with that Pipper as finite as we could because we were proud that our Jets were going to win that. And, and here's AOA, AO3 Folsom down there painting bullets. Uh, down You know, We take a milk crate, dip them in the paint because each, each squadron, each event had its own colors, and that's how they scored yep. the banner. banner well,
2: I brought that up because you got to think about crunch and bio, and, and I'm nothing against the air crew nowadays, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, we we would, <laughs> I can't remember how many yards that that was supposed to be that banner, but we would shorten it up like fifty percent. So it'd be like, here is the tomcat, here is the banner, <laughs> and we would make a seat. We we're like, oh, maybe they'll shoot the tail end off that other tomcat just just for shits and giggles. But think, These guys I are freaking. They're the hitting. He is
3: jesting with you right now. I promise. No, I, no, really, I hope they're they're hitting, but those guys were hitting the banner.
1: Oh Yeah, every <laughs> not, every not, every, uh, every guns brief when we were shooting the banner, they. They they briefed, don't shoot if you're sucked. Sucked means uh, laid on yeah. the you know, uh, uh, way behind the banner. Make yeah, sure, sure you have a, a good run. Don't shoot if the tractor's in your HUD, stuff like that. I mean, over the years, a couple of, I think at least one jet that was towing the banner. I think at least one jet got hit. Wow. And something else that used to happen is that, that uh, if the uh, if a bullet hit the cable. Not the banner, but just the cable, it would translate right, right up to the jet. And, and the guy said it felt like they got hit also, but it was just hitting the cable. Yeah. That That's what right. So, so just. just in, yeah.
0: Just for the listeners, so some people may not realize what we're talking about is that we used to have uh, air-to-air gunnery, and you would have a Tomcat called the Tractor, which would have a a tow line, and behind it was a big, long banner, and it was probably about two or 300 feet behind, and it would be flying through the air with this big banner, it had a big, giant target on it, and you would set up this pattern, you'd roll in and shoot at the banner and every time the bullet would hit you know it'd create a hole and Steve was talking about painting it because if you painted it green you'd get a the, the, there'd be a little green outline in, in the hole and you could count up the colors and and that's how you knew which airplane or which squadron had hit the banner that day now i've done both tractor and uh shooter for for those gun things and the flying as the tractor can be a little bit uh, unnerving uh, yes, when sir. Somebody, somebody gets sucked behind you and you're like you know you're trying to tell them to stop shooting that that can be unnerving uh i also know of a time where uh you know it gets you out of your patterns your habit patterns i remember one time we had uh i i'm not proud of this time but we actually took off with our gun not armed uh because of where there was some taxi things we ended up doing an intersection ta- takeoff and guess what the uh, arming crew was down at the hold short and we did an intersection. So they weren't there. And in our minds, we're like, oh, we're doing this. And, and I can't remember the exact logistics of it, but we take off and we get everyone, we're like, we didn't arm our gun.
1: So crunch. So now. Okay. That, that, that's why we did that. I mean, that's why we practice all this stuff. So, okay, go yeah. ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, because, and for everybody who doesn't know, you know, what what that means is that on the, the left side of the airport, port side of the airplane, there's a little, little panel that's about, but five inches by six inches in size, and it was open, and that clearing sector holdback was in the not right? armed position. And there was a pin in there with a flag on it. And really it was wrapped around that thing. And that it's, is, in it's in front of the it's
3: flight, crunch. It says what? remove before flight. I'm just letting
0: yeah. yeah. you know. Yeah.
2: That's I a fly fly line. Remove food object
0: it. damage. I can't remove it myself. The orties have to do it after you started, and you're down there at the, either the catapult or the end of the whole chart, right? You got to you got to like, go all the way down the end of the taxiway to get to the ordies that were there I, waiting on you that day. Oh, I think oh, I'm not proud of this guy. time. I'm not defending. I'm not saying I did it right. I'm just saying that sometimes things happen and it's not proud. It. But you know, there was uh, you know, I- interesting interesting times.
1: Back in the early '80s, we used to have uh, A fours towed the banners, but mostly TA fours, and the Tomcat squadrons. Because because in my uh, in my first Tomcat squadron, we didn't tow our own banners, but uh, t- Tomcat guy. I mean, the A four guys did fine. You know, they willingly did it, but, every, but everybody was happy to, that we could tow our own banners when they finally cleared us to do that because it was just one less bit of coordination. You know, with the guys in your own squadron, etc. So, yeah,
3: it was but, hard for them, you know, weaving that thing. I mean, on the shipboard yeah. from the beach, not so much, right? You, just, you, you just mean
1: weaving? Up- you <laughs> mean weaving the tow line? Right. Correct. So yeah, you're yaw- yeah.
2: literally so you would have when, to-
1: you, when you took off. And you pulled that, the, uh, the, yeah, the 500, 600 feet, whatever it was, crunch is more than 200. Anyway, it unraveled correctly and smoothly. And yep. then it just dragged. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, uh, you know, it seems like something out of World War II or something, but it worked that we did it in Tomcats and, uh, and it helped. And when I was in VF2, our guys, our Orties, our Tweaks, they worked together. They bore sighted our guns, and we won a high noon in 1988 from them, yes. partly from them doing that. Wow! Well, awesome. But my question is, do do they still do that?
3: You know, I, I I'm I, I'm a ships company guy now. You know, the more senior we get as ordies after lieutenant, you can't you can't ever go back to the squadron or CAG. So uh, but- I. I haven't seen it in years, so. Uh, I haven't
2: either. That's why I brought it up because I was like, oh, you know what? I do not think they would do that anymore. I, I just.
0: You know, well, I we'll know. have
3: to ask uh,
1: some Super Hornet guy if they still have air-to-air gunnery.
0: I, I, might, I might know somebody.
1: There you not go. Too. What's a Super Hornet?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm beginning to love bio because
1: he mentioned something about TA-4s. TA-4Js, you flew them? Uh, I got plenty of rides in them. Yeah. As a Rio, I, I did, I, but yeah, I, I've, I've flown in TA4Js. Yeah. I, I, I loaded bombs on them in, uh, with the red
2: tails out of uh, Puerto Rico.
1: I think every uh, pilot that I know loves the A4 and yeah. the, C, the TA4. They it's just so
2: small, but it's so maneuver,
1: maneuverable
2: and it could freaking carry a shit ton of, uh, 500
1: pounders. It's a pretty amazing airplane. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. what did you guys like loading? I mean, I asked you earlier, what didn't you like loading? That was. Well, the, I'm, a, load. I'm gonna
2: let Garf go first because I tell you what, I love loading. Okay,
3: I good. Everything. I loved everything about the Phoenix. I mean, it was the true BVR big the, stick weapon. Uh, the
1: Phoenix, okay.
3: The Phoenix, absolutely. I mean, to me, getting that system tight, making sure, uh, you know, missile condition lights for the for the Rios. You remember those days where you get the missile condition light and the and the circuit breaker drill. And but for the F-14A and B, the cool and all, getting that system the plumbing correct where you wouldn't get the missile condition light, um, getting that system, the, um, the MECAS connectors and the jet, everything flowing well, you know, the tweaks getting the radar perfect to support that missile, just the sexiness of the Buffalo, uh, to me was, it was, it was the greatest weapon, uh, ever developed, uh, for air to air combat. I, I, you know, I'm remiss if I didn't say, you know, we had three shots in anger and, and all three of them, you know, you had two that went to the desert floor and one timed out, uh, VF two shot timed out, uh, um, but that was a valid shot, and uh, it would definitely that guy, that Iraqi MiG pilot that day, lived uh, to fight another day because uh, God was on his side that day. But I, I tell you, that Buffalo, uh, just watching the HUD tapes, just watching the M-BAM of that missile, uh, just a sexy, sexy missile. I love it. Uh miss it. And uh, uh, hopefully we've got another big stick weapon coming down the pipe here soon, uh, something like the Phoenix. But that was my favorite weapon to load. And the wing station's even made it better to me. was just There's something cool about taking that big 1,000-pound buffalo, strapping her on Station 1, and get it ready to go into combat.
1: Okay, we'll go there next. Let me me ask Gunner Z, what was your favorite? Well, uh, you heard the gun boss's testimonial.
2: It was like rated R, big stick, you know, (laughs) Phoenix, beautiful. Here's the bottom line, 1,000-pounders. Okay, and, and and I'm gonna mention a couple guys. Billy Ray Light. You know, you load a thousand pound bomb on the belly of a Tomcat. I'm talking conical fins. I'm not talking GBUs. You got you're supposed to use six men. Three in the front, three in the back. You take three in the front, you take myself and Billy Ray Light, and we took ordnance tape, wrapped around our arms, look went underneath that conical fin. Ready right on the front, ready right on the tail, lift, humping thousand pound bombs with five guys. Okay, that'll that that that'll bruise up your forearm or your lower bicep, maybe tear your bicep, but you're going to do it until you get all freaking five, you know, Tomcats loaded to go off the pointy end. That That's my favorite. My second favorite, uh, gunner, gun boss. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even know if they do it anymore with that because they always use them hydraulic, whatever, whatever to load guns. When We freaking had that, when we load them guns like this. Yeah. Like, well,
1: yeah, I've do, seen – I remember watching the guys do that. I've
2: yeah, seen two I belts at 250, and you got one guy doing it, and you're like, go, and they're timing it, and yeah. then they put a tape measure around your biceps see how pumped you got. That's what I'm talking about. Steve, there's nothing, there's nothing sexy or rated R about what I'm talking I'm talking about getting pumped. I'm talking <laughs> about that's old-school in there. But really, the ready? Trunch, the crunch is like, like that, Steve, that's why they put us both on here, brother. You know – Brother, We're you dad. got a master's degree. I got a I got a eighth-grade education, brother, and I'm talking about getting <laughs> just pumped and freaking hooking up Crunch and Bile with some ordinance, killing yeah. commies for mommy. Oh, I'm going to get on a roll there, Bile. That freaking Tomcat. That Tomcat beer right there starting to kick in right there. Look at Tomcat.
0: <laughs> you got the big motor top, big motor beer there. If I, if
3: I can, though, remember back in the day we had a 500-round club. You weren't really into the ordinance shop unless you did 500 rounds by yourself on the speed handle. And then we went to a thousand round club was the graduate level stuff we were doing. You remember that, Randy? Don't. I mean, you were a brand new airman and you're like, you gotta be part of the 500 round club. And he did you just at call him. me Randy. Man, <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm the only one allowed to call you, Randy. Besides okay,
2: you, if, wife. It, 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 if okay. I'm allowed 30 seconds because my freaking house is long, but I I have to run down to get a prop for this show. Can I do that real
1: quick? Yeah,
0: you may. Right, we'll wait for you.
1: Yeah, when you while you're gone, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the 854 uh, belly to wing station thing. Sure. Okay. So so uh, Steve, this yes, is sir. something that we talked about before, and it's something I don't know if a lot of people noticed, but when I was a JO, or actually in the 90s. We In my squadrons, we only carried Phoenix on the belly. I mean, yeah. we had the ability to carry him on the wing stations, but but we never did that. I mean, I've seen the photos. There's a couple of six Phoenix loadouts where they had them on the wing stations, but we never did that in the squadron. Then when I came back in the m- mid-90s and the Tomcat had Air to Ground Mission, we we only carried our Phoenix on the wing stations. Yes, sir. And I, I remembered them uh, in the first time they told us. That they didn't like doing that. So, how about? Can you tell us, tell the uh, the audience a little bit about that? And what changed?
3: Well, what changed was Lantern Pod Corporation uh, and air to ground munitions. Uh, you know, you got station three, four, five, and six in the tunnel there that you could load bombs on or air to ground munitions. Lantern Pod was taking up station eight, and if you had a BVR requirement, you need to have that that AIM-54 out there. You had to put it somewhere. So, the wing station, station one is what we went with. Uh, we had to put a lot of work in to get them replumbed. Uh, when I say plumbed, uh, the Phoenix required uh, for, for the Bravos and Delta or Bravos and Alphas required cool and all uh, that would actually pump through this plumbing and, and filter through the missile to keep it at the right temperature at altitude. Um, it just basically gave it uh, uh, thermal heating capabilities at, at altitude. Um, the Delta went on later years and not requiring cool and all, but the cool all plumbing was so brittle and, fragile of, of non-use over the years from the 70s all the way to fast forward to mid 90s we didn't use it um so it just kind of dry rotted so we had to go back in there replumb a lot of those stations stiffen the wings to support a thousand pounds out there at any given time uh and then off, actually you know get the wiring back in uh, up to speed as well because it was it was non-used um and so that was that was a process but uh certainly one that was uh it paid dividends later because obviously the the precision precision striker that the uh, Tomcat became uh, up until the end uh, was just eye watering. I mean, yeah it was, it was a good striker,
1: and, and it it also paid dividends because in the '90s when we carried them on the wing stations, they always worked. I mean, you know, reliability was way up yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. thanks, thanks for covering that.
0: Yes, sir. All right, Z Man, you went to get a prop. I I I am incredibly curious to see what (laughs) – Well, because you're talking about favorite
2: loads. (laughs) This right here, bring it into the picture slow. But, Steve, give me the nomenclature. This is – it's the hernia bar. But what's what's ironic about it is Steve and I both have had hernias. <laughs> it, was after, but after, it, was after, it was after that's what you screw in the front of that two yeah. pound bomb or well actually the only one we can lift was a thousand pound or a five yeah. 500 pound bomb yeah. but uh yeah i i kept one uh the navy's not gonna come for me after that i painted it red so they can't
0: identify it but uh yeah <laughs> More so the lifters, what so the hernia bar, so here's something that, you know, when I was brand new, I didn't really understand until I looked at it. I mean, you would set up the fuse, pull the fuse out, put the hernia bar, screw it into the front where the fuse goes, the nose fuse, yep. and that was a just a big giant handle. Yes, sir. For the guys in the front. And they would lift it up, slap it into the, the uplock, um, what do you call them? Latches? The I don't know. Stage hooks slap it into the hooks it would lock into place you would unscrew the hernia bar and then put the fuse back in okay. and uh, i i remember the so you're gonna laugh because it's obvious to you but i remember the first time i saw it i was like what the heck is going on down there is that really the way we do things here and uh, sure enough and then i was like oh actually that makes a lot of sense
3: <laughs> and once well,
0: you-
3: so you say that right but the air force guys we had some lancer guys and some strike eagle guys come out to the carrier when i was a chief in 102 and they watched us load, and they were blown away on how fast we could turn four Tomcats around for the next mission by using the hernia bar and manually loading things because they use Sats loaders and and all types of mechanical equipment to get their their
0: jets loaded. are those are those the, uh, the electro hydraulic ones. Yeah. yeah yes. yes.
2: And, and, yeah. and yeah. If Gunner Folsom, I wanted to bring it up because I know why well, know Crunch and Bio were out there in Yuma, Arizona, for Top Gun. And that's where all the Marines would use the SATS loaders. And here come the Navy boys and girls and we'd freaking hand hump them bombs and just like Steve said, faster than they could do with the with the with the hydraulics uh SATS loader.
0: But yeah, awesome. that's good. What? Oh, so that that's stinking cool. I appreciate you bringing that the prop in. So anybody who's on the podcast, you gotta go over to YouTube and whatever timestamp that is. I don't know what it was edited, but uh that that's pretty cool. The the fly in hernia bar. Uh, hey, so uh, we were talking before about uh wing stations. Something that happened late in the life, you know, I think it was like two thousand three ish, somewhere around there. We brought on Bull Chef and Bull IR. Yeah, we did. Um, oh, I was in so, the nineties.
1: We had Bull Chef uh so it was in the nineties.
0: Just. Was it in the 90s? Okay, God, I, I, I don't remember. My memory's off. But we brought in Bull and Bull IR. Um, yeah. can, can you talk about that? You mentioned, you know, there are probably people who, there are probably listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. So yeah. break it so, down. What is Bolchaf and Bull IR and why was it so cool? Well, it was cool for you
3: guys because it, it really did a great job of hiding and masking the aircraft, right? I was told, you know, from a radar cross section perspective that that Bull Chaff plume. Uh, when you dumped it, would absolutely defeat most radars out there. And then uh, conversely, the uh, the IR side of it, the infrared side, which there's a funny story about that when we first started flying it, uh, but that was great for the, uh, the heat-seeking missiles of the world as well. Um, for the Bull IR, uh, there was latches in the back of these things, so um, you had to make sure they were fully seated and closed because when you guys would take the stroke, <laughs> if the Bull IR came out with the naked eye, you couldn't see it burning. So the first time I ever experienced that, my guys go out to pick it up, and this is before we wore gloves on the flight deck. We wanted to feel what we were doing. Um, nowadays, we're mandated to wear them, and for all the, the right reasons as well. But, of course, Sailor goes over there, or he goes over there, and he goes to try, because, you know, you know, boss is screaming over primary. You know, he's like, got fought all over Cat Let's get a combat fought walk down. You know, Crunch is yelling at everybody when he was at air boss on Ike there. And uh, Sailor goes to pick it up, and it's burning. You know, it's it's literally burning, but you can't see it with the naked eye because it was it was literally an IR defeating uh, system. Uh, great system, by the way. We bought it from the Norwegians. I don't know if you know the backstory on how we got to the bull chaff and bowl bowl launchers, but it was great. Uh, another story: I had an E2 turning uh, right there at the Hummer hole, and I had a Baker box when I was in VF31 as a gunner, and the E2 actually lit the bowl IR on fire. In the baker box, which was our little cart that we used to move stuff up and down the, uh, the flight deck, uh, lit it, and we didn't even know it was on fire until we saw the rubber melting around the thing. Uh, oh wow! It.
0: So we wow. jettisoned it over the side. Yeah, that was that was an interesting day. So the interesting thing about the bull chaff and Bolir. So for the, it, it might be hard. So for the listeners, Bol Bol. I don't know what it stands for. It I don't know if it's a Swedish word or what, but it's Bol and then chaff and then IR. So you had, uh, we had these, the right on the wing stations, You it, we swapped out the mounting point for the aim 9 and the, the rail actually became a chaff and IR countermeasure dispenser. Yes, sir. And it was really stinking cool because you guys would take like the bull chaff and it would be like this, I don't know, like a three-foot length of, of chaff on a rod or something. You put it in the back and just slide it in, pull it out, and then... And it was ready to go on the other side. You would load it up with IR, and uh, and basically instead of normal chaff and flares, like you had the buckets, now we got it on the rails. And just because of where it was mounted, as you know, the, this chaff it, instead of being little squibs that fired out to the, below the airplane, they actually were like wafers, as yeah, I recall,
3: like,
2: like old old disc CD disc. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And when as as you yeah. like, it would send out two and two. And that these wafers would expand, and they would go back and, like, hit the horizontal stab and then just plume. And they just created such an incredible uh, radar cross-section out there that just completely, you know, really countered a lot of radar a lot of either a lot of radar tools whether missiles or or source radars whatever the case are and then for the ir like you said it's infrared you can't see it but i don't remember how the technology worked but it's very similar uh you had little wafers that came out they bloomed and they caught fire and created heat and See, so he's taking right right missiles.
1: Crunch was the uh, surface-to-air SME at Top Gun, so he's using all these uh, technical backgrounds. Uh,
0: <laughs> that's true. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I just trying to catch up just because I, I remember the first time I heard, I was in the squad and we're like, hey, we're getting bull chaff and bull IR. And I'm like, great hey. gunner. Gee whiz, and who what the heck do I not know? You know, never heard of this. Everybody's talking about it like that. Hey, it turns out, you know what I found out? Nobody else knew what it was either. <laughs> we had to do some homework on it it but uh it was incredibly effective once we got it on the airplanes wow was it effective yeah it was great absolutely it was great now you said there was a backstory on that what's the backstory which one you said on bull chaff i told the you about the burning uh
3: well we took the cat stroke i told you about the burning uh big oh. loader and all that stuff yeah that
0: was it i'm right, sorry i thought i thought you meant there was more to it than that all right but, I got you know, we talk about
3: the bull ir and i don't want to anchor out too far on this, but. It actually oxidized so it was controlled in a packet That when it hit that when it was ejected out the film would come off the packet and the air would actually cause it the friction and, and the oxidation would actually cause it to have that heat signature it was it was weird the way they designed it but it was very effective
0: gotcha gotcha well that's cool that is that is neat stuff all right so as I'm looking at the list here um, of the things we want to talk about we well you know what we've talked about everything I see on here, with the exception of what you're doing now bio, what have we missed anything?
1: no, I think that's good. I want to know what they're doing now
0: all right what do you so gentlemen let's start with let's start with Steve because I think I think yours is very vanilla compared to your brother in law here oh, well, so. everything everything i I do is vanilla compared to Z trust me. Um, <laughs>
3: The, the bottom line: I'm still active duty commander. I'm uh, currently the gun boss on uh, on uh, John F. Kennedy, the new John F. Kennedy, uh, being built over. Wow, over
1: these, that is yeah. cool. Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, so second in class of the uh, of the Ford class, and that's coming along nicely. And a uh, lot, lot of new technology, a lot of new things for uh, for the uh, the weaponier and the uh, air crew. A lot of good things coming down the pipe for that. And uh, zone for O six next year, hopefully. Well, I do a zone for O six next year hopefully get picked up and if not uh i'll retire with 35 years of active service
0: wow great that's amazing so that's interesting so there's a whole other discussion that so you're on the i didn't i didn't quite put two and two together that you're on the second ford class and i know that there's a whole bunch of stuff that you're probably in charge of now you know this is uh, this is your second gun boss tour right
3: yeah yeah so i was gun boss on bush and i went to command over in guam I, i ran a missile repair facility i got one to do one of the uh only six aviation LDO commands in the whole Navy, and I got one of them back in uh, 2017. So I left command and they said, we got to put the old guy somewhere until he's uh, in zone for 06. So we're going to put him on a, on a pre-construction unit or at Newport News and, uh, and kind of a seashore uh, duty, if you will.
1: That's the nice. problem with doing yeah. a good job. They give you the hard job. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks sir. thanks for, uh, for all your contributions and commitment. Thank you, sir appreciate it So
0: now you I don't know uh you know what you can or want to talk about, but I know that there's a lot of upgrades with the Ford class compared to I've never been on one so yeah so
3: so uh we'll have a Easter radar uh, from the combat system suite it's like a spy six radar it's like an Aegis radar like the cruisers have uh, that's not really my forte. We have advanced weapons elevators uh, that run off electromechanical roller coaster technology uh, that delivers the uh the weapons from the 32 magazines we have associated in the magazine groups. Uh, and then you also have emails and AEG, right? For the air crew, that's a big deal. Uh, taking the cat stroke, uh, electromechanical. Uh, I understand the uh, the sortie generation rate is going to be extremely higher. It's all good stuff. And uh, certainly su- some successes with that ship. Uh, Ford's going through some pains right now, but it's, uh, it's tracking along nicely. And she's going to get in the fight here real soon. Kennedy's next. And uh, we just uh enterprise is right behind us and then dory miller they just cut the steel on the dory miller uh a couple weeks back so so in class for the ford right now is what we're looking at
0: nice. wow all right that's yeah. cool well you know it's funny you say that so the, the ford's got some some growing pains that's hey that's that's what happens. It's a, it's a new design nobody's ever done all these like you mentioned emails which is the new electromagnetic catapult or AAG, which is Vance of Gear. I mean, these things are all brand new. It's just, you know, you got to work out the kinks. Yeah, so, it's
3: incredible to be a part of it, though. It really is.
0: Yeah. And, oh, uh, no, there he is. He's back. All right. Just For a second, time. I thought we lost you there, Gunner Z. We're good. Yeah, all I, right.
2: I, I, I saw the reconnection. I was like, what's going on? He's going to tell all us right, what Martin. he's doing.
0: All right. So, Z-Man, what are you doing these days?
2: Okay, I'm going to try to make this fast.
0: <laughs> well, well, here's the deal.
2: So so I, I retired in 2005. And when I retired, they said, if you got a job and you don't enjoy it, do something else. So I went to this awesome company, but it was sitting at the desk for eight hours a day. And they monitored even when he went out to take a piss. And then I had some guy that was above me and he was like, you know, a hey, uh, hey, well, my, he called me Randy. He's like, hey, Randy, uh, I noticed you have like a congregation of people at your desk all the time. What's going on? And I'm like, well, we're, we're bonding and rapport. You know, we're building, you know, we're building, you know, we're making shit happen. And he's like, he, this guy got on my ass so much. I was like, you know what? I'm gone. So I rolled out of there. And a buddy of mine from uh, high school, Steve Ball, is a general manager at this car sales place. And he's like, big place up in New York. He's like, hey, man, you can sell cars. I'm like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. What the hell? So no shit. I made 75 grand the first year selling cars, but it was Monday through freaking Saturday. And then people would call in Sundays and I'm like, I don't have no time off to hunt or, you know, anything, ride motorcycles or whatever. So I did that for two, two years. And then a lot of Navy guys that were retiring, would be coming into, uh, like, uh, deputy sheriff. So Jeff Openshaw retired Navy 20 years. He's like, why don't you become a deputy sheriff? And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. And then, uh, there was an opening for the sheriff's office as a correctional officer. So I was like, well, you know, I'm thinking like the big boss man in wrestling, you know, I'm going to go in there and just like freaking throw some guys, some shit paper or whatever. And I did that. I did that because there was a pension that I was going to pull. So I did that for seven years and I was like, and I pulled a pension, but it kept me young. But uh, imagine someone spitting in your face. So I'm, I'm going to end it there because I'm I'm an ordinance man, so uh, bio, you know the deal. No yeah. sailor would spit in my face, but yeah. anyway, so some inmate did. So I rolled out of there, and uh, I I didn't have to work, but I'm like I gotta keep working because I'm young. So I work now for a it's a Baltimore Fire Protection Equipment uh, out of uh, York, and and I love it. Um, oh, that's um, good.
1: That sounds good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's,
2: it's it's finally I finally got a desk job. I I, I still got a, um, you know. Still got hit the weights to try to stay looking like Steve and, uh, you know, staying in shape and all. But but through all this, uh, I've seen and kept in touch because of Facebook because I wasn't going to do the Facebook thing. But, you know, I've been I kept in touch with all my Navy buddies and uh, Steve being my brother in law and his kids and my kids were all were are all, you know, touched, but he tells me some of the stories of the Navy and I got to watch what I say right now, because I, I, I don't think I could do it. I really don't think I could do it because old Navy that, that's tattooed on my back, old Navy and new Navy, uh, two different worlds. Uh, I love the freaking military. I, I, I love the Navy, but most of all, I love the freaking Tomcats. And, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I, God, I gotta tell you, when when Crunch, when you called me, I was like, "Oh my god!" I, I called up Steve. I was like, "Steve, do you freaking believe this?" And at first, like, I was like, "Who's Bio? Do we know this guy?" No. He's, he's, like, he's like, "Don't worry, man. He's cool. If he knows Crunch, he's cool." <laughs> like, I was like, "I was like, well, can I be myself?" No, no, but, no, but he was like, he, "But he was like," but I told him, "I was like, can I be myself?" And I'm trying to be myself. I mean, I mean, it can get. Old Ordies are, are, you know, few and it's just it's just crazy. And and but I am I'm I'm, I'm honored, Z man. That's why we wanted you on, sir, sir. I'm telling you, it's it's, it's we wanted this you. Is, this is monumental. and uh and I told Crunch, and I'm gonna send this out to everybody worldwide. And it's you're gonna have the most hits. Uh, we uh, <laughs> Steve and I've got a lot of good cop, bad cops, vice versa. Between both of us, and uh, we love it. And crunch, actually, crunch. I had I had a uh, a FaceTime from today from three thirty two guys: Gary Downport, Frank Davis, and Swanson. I don't know if you remember oh, no. them. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yes, speak.
2: yes, because I, they were at a firing range because they're all cops, deputy sheriffs. And I told him I said, Hey man, I got that freaking podcast tonight, the Tomcast of my brother-in-law and Bio and Crunch. And they're like, What? So I told them the story, and they're like, Crunch, man, what about his hard landing when he crushed the freaking landing gear? And they started man. <laughs> 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 you just went to a 9G overstress with him, yeah, right? Yeah, they, 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 they started talking, they started talking all this green shirt shit. And I'm like, I'm like, But he's a freaking sexy man. It doesn't matter what he (laughs) did. We we fixed
0: him. We fixed him. I I think they're confusing. I think they're confusing me with somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Good. Good. Good Good defense. True story, though. True story. And And, and, and then Continue. I'm going to tell the editor to cut that out. No, I'm not. (laughs) You you don't don't cut that out, bio. Um, I won't. It'll be in there. That'll be in there.
2: If if you want any crazy stories. no one said nothing about uh, gunner uh, gun bosses and gunners flat tops. The, these have been since, 19- like like
1: since nineteen
3: eighty-six. Yeah, nineteen ninety for me. Iraq and Kuwait and I shaved my head and then I never went back. I did have a transitional period, Randy. You remember where I tried to go back on the side, it just didn't work.
2: It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and and with the first time I hit this hairline at that time too, and I was like, Yeah, hey, I can't do that. Oh yeah. yeah. So-
2: but and, and and bio's probably like, oh, we're done. He's probably he's probably ready for dinner. But uh, here's another one. When, when, no, gonna... was no, when Steve and I met, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my yeah. wife, thank you, babe. She made me another drink. My wife but, reloaded me. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick one, Crunch. Uh, Crunch, you're gonna love this one, Alan. So, so when Steve and I met, Gunner Mitch Gross was like, he's trying to get, he's trying to make, he's trying to make the freaking top. Orders of the world combined. And he
3: had a, uh, it
2: was crazy. But I, but, I, but I come into the squadron and they're like, Yeah, uh, Steve Folsom's coming in as the LPO. And I was like, I thought I was the LPO. Well, then I meet Stephen Fallon, and uh I'm not kidding you, man. He like when I shook his hand, he tried crushing mine, I tried crushing his. He took his chest, bumped my chest. I'm like, who is this guy? So anyway, like like when we first met, I was like, This is one cocky son of a bitch and uh but he, but he knew his shit and i was like oh, damn you know I, I had to get in the books so i'm like this some bitch is smart well then he sees a picture I'm like Andrew. sorry well yeah I, we're in a freaking birthing and i got my picture of my wife and her sister there and steve's like who's that i was like that's my wife he goes no no that one there and he goes he goes that's i said that's my sister-in-law and he goes well i'm gonna meet her and i'm like over my dead body <laughs> <laughs> here's what happened i'm Hey, if I'm lying, I'm dying. So I had a big order party and my sister-in-law comes down. Steve's there. All the orders are there. And the next thing I see, I see Steve and Leanne walking out, just walking through the woods. I'm like, what the freak's going on? <laughs> hey, next thing you know, it I mean, fast forward, they're married. I was oh. like, holy shit. I, I couldn't freaking believe it. So yeah, that, that and that's a true story. That's They met and they, they got married and they've been married forever and, uh, beautiful girls, uh, life's great, and two two gunners in the the Zeitler Folsom family. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy, and he's still in. And Steve, I gotta tell you, what thirty five years in January, yes, sir. Thirty don't serve me, brother. Thirty five years in the Navy. That's that's crazy. Started out as an E
3: one up for E-I-4 captain. E-1. I went to a captain's mast once, so I had to do E two yeah. twice. But yeah, I'll, we won't I'll, talk I'll, about. It. <laughs>
1: Crunch, yeah. we're going to have but, to move this segment to the front of the interview, okay? That's that's right. the <laughs> well, hey, but, but, Bio,
2: they're, 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 you know, people say, well, how'd you do it? We didn't do it ourselves. I mean, we're both, you know, freaking high school grads. I mean, I had guys like Mitch Gross and Big Al. Oh, we got to talk about Big Al Dean, one of the, yeah, one of the yeah. top gun freaking ordies of the world. You, you remember him, Crunch?
0: I, I do, do.
3: I do. He retired Captain a few years back,
2: yeah. Yeah, man. Great, great, great guys. And I mean, I, mean, man, really I know
1: that that's, that's one of the things, I mean, when I, when I was in the Navy, I wasn't philosophical about this stuff, but since I got out and I've talked to other people and a, a couple of people pointed out, and I agree with you, the Navy has this culture of mentoring and they yes. just bring people along and, and they don't make it easy for you, but, but they help you meet the standards. And that's one of the strengths that the, uh, that, I mean, I'm sure all services do, but my experience is Navy, and that's one of the strengths of the Navy. So, yeah. Hey, what are you doing now, bio. say again, what are you doing now? Oh, I'm uh, retired. I'm I'm living I'm living down here in Florida. I was uh, working part time from my house, and then I said, "Why am I doing this?" And uh, so, my wife and I just have a condo here in Florida, and I'm doing what I want, like this. That, yeah. This this is awesome. I'm I, I, yeah. I, like, Yeah. So, th- well, well, we this- got to credit Jello. Okay. I said Jello. Go ahead, Crunch.
0: Well, I was just, I was, I was about to say exactly that. So, we, we Bio and I have put this thing together. Jello's, he's the backbone. He's got, he's supporting us. He's got all the back end stuff. And let's be honest, you know, Bio's doing the heavy lifting on our end too. So, uh, all I do is show up and just talk and oh, tell questions team. and have a
1: beer. It's a good team.
0: It's a nice team. It is. But hey, so so gents, I got one one last thing before we go. You talk a lot about how great it was in the old Navy. Take a look back, retrospect. If if you had to, had to or could change one thing, what would it be?
1: Anything, if if anything. If anything.
2: All right, I'll tell you what. Take care. The bottom line is is take care of the guys that are up for retirement because it, <laughs> I tell you, people are like, why would you get out? And I would have been like Steve. I would have done 50 years. And I came off a, a six-month deployment with the, with the checkmates. We're coming out of Iraq. You're correct. We pulled Saddam out of a hole. And I was eligible. I was on sea duty for whatever, three and four and a half years. And I was eligible for shore duty. And the, the detailers were like, hey, Z, Gunner, we need you in Afghanistan. And I was like, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, we, we need you out there for another year. And I'm like, uh, I'm eligible for shore duty. And they're like, well, you ain't going to retire. Don't, don't freaking tell me I ain't going to retire. I said, you know, 23 years. And I took any time a detailer said, go here, go there. I went there. And now I'm like ready, setting up like my kids are older. I wanted to retire, start setting up towards retirement. And they said, no, 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 it ain't going to happen. So I dropped my retirement papers. And and I had to ask my wife that because it was touching to me, bothered me because I gave all that time for the Navy. Uh, so, so if it's to change anything, I took care of the sailors. I think anyone above me should take care of the sailors. I don't want to. I don't want to get political because there's a Marine that's in the brig right now and it's pissing me the fuck off, not pissing me off. And I don't want, I
1: don't want to go there, but, uh, take, take care of the people. Okay. So I'll just take two quick comments, but make two quick comments before we go to Steve one, uh, Z man. I don't know if you know this, but I was a checkmate also from uh, 96 to 98 and, uh, fighting checkmates, but also, uh, I know uh, aviators, uh, one in specific that comes to mind, who his detailer, after more than two decades of, of exceptional service, his detailer tried to shaft him, and he goes, that's that's bogus. He goes, and he retired instead. And so all you can say is the detailers are in a tough spot. I mean, they're guys just like you and me. I never did. was a detailer, but they're guys just like us. Anyway, so that it's good that you told that story because it lets people know the sacrifices, uh, and the challenges and and what it takes to keep the Navy working. Okay. Enough of my editorials. Uh, Steve, like crunch, what would you change?
3: Yeah. The only thing I could change going back is I wouldn't have went to helicopters in 87. I would have went to F-14s right away and got six tours in Tomcats. Um, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, thank God for that senior chief in maintenance control said, you know, Folsom, you, you're a hundred mile an hour guy, man. You don't need to be in helicopters. You need to go up the road to Miramar, and so that's that's what changed it for me. But if I could go back, I, I would certainly have started with Tomcats and Miramar back in the heyday uh, in '87. Um, I don't think I would change a thing because the Navy's been really good to my family and I. I mean, here's a old dumb kid from Jacksonville, Florida, that you know enlisted in the Navy without his parents, you know, even knowing I was doing it, and told my dad, who was a P8 or P2V NFO, by the way, my father was. Yeah, and I just showed up one day and said, hey, uh, I just joined the Navy. And he goes, you're going to college. I said, well, I'll do that the hard way. I'll get my master's later on in life. But uh, uh, I would not say the thing, to be honest with you. I think it's uh, the Navy's great. The camaraderie, you mentioned it earlier, the, some of the closest friends and family. I mean, I'm looking at my brother-in-law, you know, a few hundred miles away, and we, we talk a lot. And just the relationships built, uh, working with the men and women that flew, maintained, and armed that aircraft. Uh, that whole esprit de corps that I experienced—I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. And I still talk about the day to the new sailors that check in uh, about the, the camaraderie of an F-14 squadron. When everything is
0: clicking, it is the best place in the world to be. Uh, that's awesome. All right. Well, well, gents, I, I tell you what—that is the best close. I think we we uh, we could ask for. Thank you very very much for that. Um, I. I'm just going to hit stop now, and uh, we're going to call it good. Z uh, and
1: Steve, you gave us what we're yeah. what we are hoping for. So thanks, yeah, hope hopefully, gentlemen.
0: Hopefully, it wasn't too colorful. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> perfect, gentlemen. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming, uh, Z Man Steve. Thank you for for coming and enjoy. It. I mean, uh, what a great conversation this is! Holy cow! I mean, wow! I, I really think there are our, our fans, our listeners are going to enjoy this, and and uh, thanks for coming. That was awesome,
2: hey, Good. Yeah. Bio, thank you, Steve. Thank you.
0: All right.
2: Appreciate it,
1: Thank guys. You guys. It's an honor. This episode is sponsored by the award winning developers at Heat Blur. Experience the visual sensation, the challenge, and the thrill of flying a high performance fighter on your own computer. The passionate experts at Heatblur offer the F fourteen Tomcat and the Vigan. They are exceptionally detailed and realistic. Prices start at fifty nine ninety nine, that's US dollars, and new aircraft are coming soon. Heat Blur mixing passion and technical expertise into a perfect blend of flight simulation. Hey, Crunch, I was impressed by those guys, and you brought them into the program. I mean, they retained a lot of technical knowledge and energy. I can just imagine them as young sailors working out in the flight deck environment
0: hey and your words about what those about those guys I tell you what you're right so uh Steve and C man those guys are so full of energy uh you know I remember them you know we got to go back thirty years to back in the squadron uh, first time I met those guys and I tell you what you know it, it, they have they have not lost one bit of enthusiasm some way back when from way back when I was a lieutenant junior grade those guys are incredible matter of fact something that uh, we didn't talk about is when Steve and I were in the squadron together in vF thirty back in the later day, I actually had an opportunity to go flying with him. So we actually got up in the airplane and got to go flying. Uh, we took off out of Oceana, went flying down south as part of a two-plane over uh, Dare County. We're doing some maneuvers. And if memory serves right, uh, we might have had a bit of a fuel light problem. <laughs> <laughs> something where if you remember there was an issue with the fuel system and if i remember right we had the uh, low fuel pressure on one of the sides of the engines and uh we're like steve i think we need to go back and he's like is that a problem <laughs> yeah that might be a problem so we headed on back you know 60 miles 60 miles south of oceania came back and uh probably did the straight in for the full stop and i really don't remember but i do remember the fuel light so uh we had a great time then and we had a great time today and it was great having those guys on the show so tune in in the next couple of weeks. We're going to have another great episode of the F-14 TomCast. You've been listening to the F-14 TomCast, part of the air combat experience brought to you by BVR Productions. Got a question for the show? Send an email to questions at f14tomcast.com or leave a message on our listener line at 877-MACH-101, extension 3. That's 877-622-4101, extension 3. For updates on this podcast and our other military aviation-themed shows, visit bvrpro.com and follow the air combat experience on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for listening.